0: I got a message from God to share with you. That's why I'm so excited. I have a message from the God above that I can share directly with you guys. And that stirs me up so much. A few months ago, I was up in Mountain City um, at a revival. Leonard Fletcher, if you've heard of him, um, and uh, he played a clip from a preacher named Larry Brown, and he played a clip from his sermon. Ain't nobody ever like him. Ain't nobody ever like him. I'm talking about Jesus, and I pray, God, I pray, give me, a, give me a message, a simple message that I can share with people about Jesus, like just simple Jesus. Jesus is that's what I give me a message that just resonates with saved people, that resonates with lost people. Give me that message, Lord. And a few weeks later, He gave me that message, and I've been waiting really to share it with you guys. Um, it is all providence. I'm stirred up. God's been working. God's been moving. I love the Lord with all my heart. I get to share my Jesus with you today. I say I only say my Jesus because I have that personal relationship with Him. But that can be your Jesus too. If, it, if He's not your Jesus already, He can be your Jesus today. Just please, please, open your ears and listen to what I've got to say today. Because I promise you, it's through the divine providence and sovereignty of God that you're here right now. That you're here in this place right now. It's not... By coincidence that you're at church here today. It's because God wanted you to be here today. It's because God has a message for each one of you. Today I'm going to be preaching out of the book of John. That's what uh, and all through the book of John actually. I'm not going to be in one little section. God's led me to preach all through the book of John, but you should be more worried about if I'm not pulling this Bible out here, period, than me preaching a lot through it. Because there's some preachers today that don't even pull this word of God out. We're living in wicked times, living in a wicked world. I feel like we're coming on to the last days. The days will be like Noah, it says. We're we're headed there. We're headed there. So just just hear me out here today. The title of the message is, Who is Jesus Christ and is He worth it? Who is Jesus Christ and is He worth it? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I come to you, Lord, as humble as I know how, God, and ask for you to come down, Lord. Send your spirit down here, Lord. Take control over the service. Let your spirit roam free in this place, God. Oh, God, the power comes from you. We are nothing without you, Lord. We're nothing. Our strength comes from you. Our faith comes from you. Our light comes from you. Our wisdom comes from you. Our boldness comes from you, God. It's all from you. We are nothing without you, Lord. I'm asking you to be with me today, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Lord, I just ask it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'll be in John chapter 1, verse number 1 today. We'll start right there in the beginning. Who is Jesus Christ? And is he worth it? First of all, we must determine who he is before we can determine if he's worth it. And I know a lot of you say, hey, preacher, I know who Jesus is. I know, I already know. I know who he is. I've heard him. I've heard him. But you know what? I believe there's some people in this room right now that don't really know who Jesus is. I believe it with all my heart. The stat, look at America right now, look at the church right now. Just look what's going on. Listen to these right here. 92% of people believe that Jesus was a real person. 92%. But of those 92%, only 56% believe that He was God. Only 56 And of that 92%, only 26% believe He was a religious leader. They don't even believe He was God. They just believe He was a religious leader. And then 18% Don't even know. They don't even care. They don't give a lick who He was. They don't know. They don't know. Here, look, the more the world goes on, the less people know. Look at this. The silent generation. That's the generation before the baby boomers. 83% of them believe in the God of heaven, Jesus Christ. In the baby boomer generation, that drops down to 78% of people believe Jesus Christ. Then you go down to Generation X, the generation that follows, and we get down to 68% of people that believe in Jesus Christ. And then we go to the Millennials, which is what I am, and we get down to 41%. We're now below the majority when it comes to people my age. Then we get down to Generation Z, the, the, the one below me. 36% of people believe Jesus Christ. That's 70% that do not believe Jesus who He is. Jesus. That is a staggering evidence. And we say America it's Amer- is going down. America is going down. Can I tell you that it starts with the church? It starts with the church. America is the way it is because the church has lost its power that it once had. Listen. When people used to come in church back back a long time ago, I hear the old men of God talk about it. When they used to come in, they used to feel a power like they've never felt before. When a sinner walks through those doors, when a lost person walks through those doors, they should get a power come upon them that they can never get from a pill, that they can never get from a drug, that they can never get on the outside world. They should get a power of Jesus Christ come upon them, and it should overwhelm them to where they're excited but scared at the same time because they No, they need a Savior. That's the power that the church is missing today. That's the power. Where has that power went to? Where has it went to? If you you lie down in a valley, you'll never get out of it. If we're we're going through a valley, people say, America's lying down in the valley right now. Leaders are lying down in the valley right now. But you know what? The church is lying down in the valley right now. The church is lying down in the valley right now and that's why it's never going to get better if we don't start now. It can start right here with this church. It can start right here. It can do it. God, God is able. God is able. He's a powerful God. He can do anything He wants to do. Revival starts. Draw a circle around you. That's where revival starts. Right there is where revival starts. God wants to do it, but you've got to be willing to do it. Look. Crime rates are going up, but the church attendance is going down. Divorce rates are going up. Divorce rates, they're increasing, but the spread of the gospel is decreasing. Homosexuality, it's on an incline. Sexual immortality, period, is on an incline. It's on an incline. But you know what? The love of the church is on a decline. That's the truth. That's the truth, and I, that 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 don't apply. To, that applies to all these churches. Unless there's very few, and even this church right here. Can you tell? I'm not. am not old enough to know. But some of you that's been here a long time know that the power has left. God's still here. God is still here. He's always here. But some of the is left. This church used to be full. That's what I'm told. Used to be full, people getting saved every week. That's what I've been told. It can happen again. We serve a God who is able. Have we forgot that? Have we forgot the power, the power of God? The power of Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? That's why I say some of the people in the church don't even know who Jesus Christ really is. The calendar. 2023. That's two. If you want to go really, the calendar is here because of Jesus. 2023 years since he was born. That's B.C. That's what. That's where our calendar comes from. Christmas is a Christian holiday to celebrate the birth of Jesus. The seven-day week is to represent the seven days God created to Earth, and Jesus had a hand in that. Jesus is God. We're getting ready to read about that. Jesus had a hand in creation, and Jesus wasn't what. Like, it, like us in here, he wasn't white. He wasn't a white man. He wasn't a black man. But he is probably darker skinned than we are. That's the facts. we got to know who Jesus is. We, we want to preach a false Jesus sometimes, and it's not right. That's why we see a decline in the church like it's been going down. If my, The generation after me, if the only 36 believe, we're eventually going to go down lower and lower and lower and lower. Look around this church right now. There's not many people my age in here. There's not. You know what that means? How can five of us keep the doors open in 40 years? Do we, do we want this church to continue? Do we? I'm asking you. Because it, it starts with us. Right now, here in the present time, God wants us. Hey, it affects, it might not affect you, but it's going to affect your children. It's going to affect your grandchildren. So it's time we start now. It's time God wants us to start now. Being a Christian means you are like Christ. That's what it means. It means you are like Christ. And Christ means Messiah. And Messiah means anointed one. There were three types of people that were anointed in the Old Testament. A prophet, that's who spoke for God and of the future to come. A priest who acted as a mediator between the people and God. And a king who ruled the people of God. Had responsibility for the people of God. The Messiah was going to come and He was going to fulfill all three of these. This is why the Jewish people couldn't wait for the anointed one of God to come. The one that would serve as a prophet, a king, and a priest. So let's go to John chapter 1, verse number 1. Let's talk about who Jesus was, then we'll determine if He's worth it or not. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. There's where I was just talking about. Jesus had a hand in creation. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own and his own, Received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. That's the power he gives just right there. To become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Can I tell you, there was no man established like this man. No man established like this man. Jesus had an eternal beginning. Jesus Christ had an eternal beginning. Before it all, before anything, before it was, there was Jesus. Jesus has always been. He, his establishment was so great, he never even got established. He's always been. Jesus has always been. He was just made flesh right there. Look. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then, if you look at verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh. Jesus previously was the living Word of God. That was Jesus. That's why Jesus had a part of creation. When God said, Let there be light, Jesus was that Word. The words that come out of God's mouth, that was Jesus. Jesus is the living Word of God. He had an eternal beginning. He not only did he had an eternal beginning, but he had a prophesized beginning. He had a prophesied beginning. All the way back in Genesis 3, we see the very first prophecy when it says, when God is talking to the serpent and says, out of, or talking to Mary, or, you know, the serpent and says, uh, the seed will crush your head. Crush your head, but you will bruise his heel on that cross. His heel was bruised. But that was the first prophecy. Listen to some of these other prophecies. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call His name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Micah 5.2 says, But thou, Bethlehem, Euphrates, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of these shall he come forth under me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting? It said he was going to be born in Bethlehem. And over 300 others were fulfilled. In the Old, Tes- Old Testament, nothing in history has ever came close to happen like that. Nothing in history. That's who our Jesus is. He didn't even. Ha- he also had. Not only did he have a eternal beginning or prophesized beginning, but he had an ev- or miraculous beginning. He had a miraculous beginning. Can you agree with me? He was born of a virgin. Born of a virgin. No man was established like this man. It's one thing to say something will happen like it did in the Old Testament. But when it actually happens, that's another thing. That's amazement right there. God fulfilled the line of David through his sovereignty. He fulfilled it. So no man was established like the man of Jesus. No man was established. But you know, no man, not only was no man established like this man. Turn your Bible with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. told you I was going to be all over John today. But I'm still in the Word. Amen. Starting in verse number 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus to them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go to him that sent me. You shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, there you cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, Where will he go and we, where, er, that we shall not find him? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said, You shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am there you cannot come. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the Scripture said, Out of the belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spoke He of the Spirit, which they that believe on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people therefore, when they heard saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Many of the people therefore, others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the Scripture said that Christ comes out of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? Those are those prophecies we just talked about. So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to him, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spoke like this man. Never, no man was established like this man. Hey, no man spoke like this man. Jesus had powerful words. Let there be light, and there was light. Amen. Peace be still, and, it cal- and, the, pe- and the storm calmed. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jesus had power all over him. He spoke and it came to be. He had the power because he was God himself. He fulfilled his role as a prophet. Right? Listen, they said, is this a prophet? He was speaking of things to come. Only prophets could do that. He was the anointed prophet of God. Instead of thus saith the Lord, though, he was different than other prophets. Instead of thus saith the Lord, he said, I say. Oh, the Jews didn't like that, did they? He changed things. He changed this whole the way history would be forever. He changed it. He said, ah, "I say." And they didn't like that. But he was God. He had the authority to say that, amen. He didn't just have powerful words, but he had appealing words. He was teaching in a synagogue when he was 12 years old. He was very appealing with his words. Many people followed him. Crowds of people gathered around him. He had some here's some Words people say today that go back to Jesus. Turn the other cheek. Jesus said that first. Jesus said if somebody slaps you in one cheek, you should turn the other cheek to him and let him slap the other cheek. That's where we get turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Jesus said go the extra mile. If somebody requires you to work, see they required the the, uh, Roman soldiers, required the Jews to carry their uh, stuff for a mile, their luggage. But Jesus said take it another mile. You don't, I know you don't have to, but do it. Go the extra mile. And we still say that today. Judge not, lest thou be judged. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The straight and the narrow. Wolf in sheep's clothing. The blind leading the blind. A sign of the times. Love your neighbors yourself. Practice what you preach. He who lives by the sword dies by the sword. Good Samaritan. To whom much is given, much is required. Prodigal son. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. The truth will set you free. Give the shirt off your back. Those are all sayings of Jesus. Here's another one. You can do whatever you want. Just have a good time. Ignore my teachings. No, that ain't what Jesus said. That's not what Jesus said, but that's how the church is living today. Do we know who Jesus is? Do we know who Jesus is? The church is failing to show others Jesus. If we know who Jesus is, then why aren't we out there telling other people about him? Why are we keeping him to ourselves? Because when the Spirit comes upon you and really truly comes upon you, you're going to walk out that door and tell other people about Jesus. Jesus wanted us to say, to go to the world. Look, he said things pleasing to the world, like come unto me and I'll give you rest, or I come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But He would also say appealing words. Listen to this. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That's what Jesus said. Those are words of our Lord. He said to love your enemies. Jewish people couldn't go go along with that. He had appealing words. He had powerful words. But He had everlasting words. This Word of God here is the everlasting Word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, it's the word for me. It is. It's the book of God right here. This is God's words all through it. Everlasting. Jesus said heaven and earth will one day pass away, but the word will live forever. That's what Jesus said. Peter says the word of the Lord will endureth forever. There's a reason that 40 people wrote 66 books. And it's in... It's in Errant. It's inerrant. There is no, nothing like it. There's no error in it. It's in the, in the infallible Word of God. It's the inspired Word of God. It's the book of It's a book that brings you life. It's a book that the pages are actually alive. These, this is li- This is a living book right here. This isn't just a book. It's a living Word. This is the Word of God. Jesus had everlasting words. They're all written in red right here, but I can go further than that. This is all the inspired Word of God every bit of them, not even the words in red, every bit of these words is the Word of God that can help you through those tough times, that can get you when you're down low, up higher. This is the Word that sometimes us Christians who know Jesus, who know Jesus, aren't reading it. We're reading on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's the only time this Bible comes open. I don't sound like somebody that knows Jesus to me. Do Do you see where I'm coming with this? Some of these sinners that come into church, they don't feel this power. They walk out of church and they say, That was church? That was church? Well, that was one of the most judgmental places I've ever been. That was one of the most hypocritical places I've ever been. I know this because I was there. I was there. Why? Why? Why do we feel that way? Because I, I can be right there with them. We are one of the most hypocritical and judgmental people. There are. We wonder why America is the way it is today. We wonder why. It all starts back to the church. Do you think if the church never lied down in the valley, if the church never stopped praying like they should, the church never stopped studying the Bible like they should, the church never stopped preaching the Word like it should, that America would be the way it is now? No, the reason it is now is because the church stopped doing that. We, We lied down. It's like we're lying down for God. I mean, it's like we're lying down. We're literally lying down for God and letting the devil run his bulldozer right over us. We're letting him plow over our families. We're letting him plow over our marriages. We're letting him do that to us. It's like we're sitting there saying, it's all right, honey. Jesus will come soon. Jesus will take us out of it. Jesus wants us to work now. Jesus has everlasting words for us to abide by right now. Jesus loves you, but he wants you to love him back. Is he worth it? Is he worth it? Ask yourself, is He worth it? Jesus said, you were. No man spoke like this man. Turn to John chapter 8, verse 25. One chapter over. Then said they to Him, Who are you? And Jesus says to them, Even the same that I said to you from the beginning... I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spoke to them of the Father. Then said Jesus to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself." Remember that, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed upon him. Jesus, no man established like this man. No man spoke like this man. No man lived like this man. It says, he, look what it says. It says, I do nothing of myself but of my Father that taught me. He had a sinless life. Did nothing of himself. It was of his father. We know God is not a sinner. Jesus was not a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus was excluded from that. Jesus lived a sinful life. He walked this earth and was the kindest soul you'd ever know. He had those appealing, powerful words that come out of his mouth. He, ha- he could speak to the wind and tell it to hush. He could do that. He was a powerful God. Oh my goodness, he loved you, he loved you, he loved you. No man lived like this man. He was a sinless man. He he didn't just have a sinless life, but he had an influential life. He had many people that followed him, as I said before. He had disciples that followed him, that gave up their lives, gave up their families. Peter had a family that he gave up for his Lord. Can you do that today? Is he worth it? Paul, a Pharisee, blinded on the Damascus Road, That's because of the power of God and the influence that Jesus had. Jesus came to him and he had influence. A man that used to kill Christians was now loving on them. A man that used to kill Christians wrote half the New Testament. That's the influence that Jesus had. And then what about James, his brother? Didn't even believe he was the Son of God. Did not even believe who he said he was. But through Jesus' influence, James became a Christian. And got martyred for his brother. You can go back in that early Christian time and look how many people were martyred in the early the first century. Go look how many people were martyred. How many people died for Christ? You know why those people died for Christ? Because they truly believed who they said they were, or who he said he was. If a if somebody come in here right now with a gun, could you say you could die for Christ? Really, ask yourself. The Bible says to to test yourself. Test yourself. Would you? Those are the questions you need to be asking yourself. Is He worth it? Is He worth it? He not only had an influential life, but He had a miraculous life as well. He turned water into wine. He made many fish appear out in the sea when the fishermen cast their nets. He healed the sick. He drawed out the demons. He healed the lepers. He caused the blind to see. He caused the deaf to hear. He caused the mute to talk. He was born of a virgin. A woman touched him, touched his garment, and she was healed. He made the lame to walk. He spoke to a fig tree and told it not to bear fruit. He made a coin appear in a fish's mouth. He walked on water. He calmed the storm. He rose the dead. He healed a severed ear. He he healed a withered hand. He fed the 5,000. Most importantly, he rose from the dead. But you know what else he did? He's also God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was everlasting. So guess what? Jesus had a hand in creating the universe in six days. Jesus had a hand in flooding the whole earth. Jesus had a hand in making everyone speak a new language at the Tower of Babel. He had a, um, a hand in turning Lot's wife to a pillar of salt. He had a hand in that burning bush that spoke to Moses. He had a hand in those ten plagues that came down to Egypt. He had a hand in that parting of the Red Sea. He had a hand when Moses... Brought water from the rock. That wasn't Moses, but that was God, who is Jesus. He had a hand when making the sun stand still when Joshua was conquering cities. He had a hand when he brought manna down from heaven. He had a hand when he saved the three boys in the furnace that we learn about in Daniel. He had a hand when he saved Daniel in the lion's den. He had a hand. He had power over all the animals. He even made a donkey talk and made a a whale swallow up Jonah. He had power over it all. Jesus had a miraculous life. He had a sinless life, and He had an influential life. No man lived like this man. No man lived like this man. Turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, starting in verse number 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and says to them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you, ye may know that I, I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate says to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate says to them, Take you him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Go down to verse number 14. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, and he says to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Paul, says to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, and two other with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst." Go down to verse 28 now. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, says, I thirst. Now there was a a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. No man established like this man. No man spoke like this man. No man lived like this man. But can I tell you, no man suffered like this man. No man suffered like this man. He had a physical suffering. The Bible says he was unrecognizable unto death. Unrecognizable. As many... As many that were aston- listen to this verse right here in Isaiah 52. As many were astonied at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. That's a prophecy of the Lord to come. Tortured and hurt and beaten and flogged with the cat of nine tails that ripped his skin out of his back. They say his spine was probably showing. That's how bad that Jesus got tortured. Now remember, this is the same sinless man I was just talking about. That one that, that spoke kindness to people. That one that, that walked on this earth and was just a blameless, sinless life. Spoke, nobody spoke like Him. Nobody came to be like Him. Nobody lived like Him. And now nobody's suffering like Him. He was the far, far least. Far, far, He should not have been punished like that. Do you understand? He, he, we deserve that, but He didn't ever deserve that. He didn't deserve that. He went through a physical, physical suffering he got his, his hands nailed and his feet nailed. Oh, he went through some suffering. But not only did he go through a spiritual suffering, but he went through an emotional suffering. Some people say emotional suffering is actually worse than the physical suffering. They say that today. Words hurt. Jesus went to his hometown to preach, and they rejected him about threw him off a cliff. That's the people he grew up with. Can you imagine that? The, the pain that Jesus thought, I'm just here to save you. I'm just here to save you. You don't remember we grew up together. and the, we, made, we made carpentry together. We, we went to school together. And now you're wanting to throw me off the cliff. He went through that emotional suffering. It says his sweat became blood because he had you on his mind. That was emotional pain right there. He was rejected by his own hometown, like I said before, but he was also rejected on, by his own people, the Jews. He did that for you. Just realize that, that pain he went through. It actually, the uh, science says that's possible. If, you, if your brain hemorrhages, you can start sweating blood. And he sweat blood because he had you and me on his mind. Peter said, Hell, I'll never deny you, Jesus. I'll never deny you. He was, look, he was the main disciple. But when that time came, Peter looked right in Jesus' eyes. and said, I don't know that man. Imagine the pain Jesus felt. Imagine those eyes looking at you when you get to heaven. Is that all we're focused on is heaven? Is that it? We know we're going to heaven. That's enough. That's enough. There ain't nothing else to do. We're going to heaven. I ain't worried about my children. I'm not worried about my grandchildren. What's it matter if the church dies after I'm gone? Is that what we're thinking? We need to draw a circle around us and say, Revive me right here. Revive me. But you know what was worse than that physical and emotional suffering? That spiritual suffering that he went through. He went through a spiritual suffering. Imagine if God... One day we wake up and God wasn't here anymore. Can you imagine that? Just for one day. The the world wouldn't last, I'll tell you that right now, if God wasn't here for one day. He's the one that holds the sun up. (laughs) The sun would fall down if God wasn't here. We'd, We'd disintegrate if God wasn't here. We can't go on if God wasn't here. But you know, for three hours on that cross, God was not there when his son needed him, when his son cried out to him, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The father literally had to turn his back on his own son. The Trinity had always been three in one, a threefold cord, three peas in a pod. But for those three hours, it was just two peas and a twofold cord. Jesus was all by himself as he took on the wrath of God. He shut the lots out for three hours while he took on that spiritual Suffering, something we 'll never have to go through, even the lost people out there have a God that still reigns supreme. Do you understand he went through he went through a suffering so bad for us and he, he didn't deserve any lick of it he didn't deserve it. He went through a spiritual suffering. The Bible says he became sin for us. Jesus became the most sinful man to ever live during that time on the cross because he became sin for us, he took on the punishment. The worst punishment. Imagine the worst pain you can ever feel in hell. And Jesus Christ took that pain. Wow. We know how we talk talk about hell, but we don't realize that Jesus went through hell. Jesus went through hell on earth on the cross. He went through an emotional suffering, a physical suffering. But most of all, he went through that spiritual suffering. He had never known sin. And all of a sudden, not only did He have all the sins of the people of that generation, the generation before Him, but of all mankind. Even for us, we already had a Savior the day we were born. Every person that will ever live, he laid their, he laid, God laid their sins on Him. He became guilty of every single sin. Every single sin. Think of a person who had never sinned, and all of a sudden he is guilty for every single one of them. The cruelest, most vile sins you can ever think of. All throughout history, he made himself guilty for every one of them. You think about like Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer and Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden and all these, Adolf Hitler, Vladimir Putin. You see all these people. Joe Biden. Look, God, Jesus took the sin of every one of them, didn't he? Didn't he? The Bible says so. He made Himself guilty for them all. His suffering was a million times worse than us if we were to get crucified. It's a, he, it would, it would be a, it's a million times worse. That's where that word excruciating comes from. It's from crucify. He suffered spiritually. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why art Thou so far from helping me? That's what Jesus was saying. A separation of the Trinity. A spiritual separation. He did it for you. We deserve every bit of what I just talked about. Every bit of it. You were on His mind. Why in the world would a God of heaven do this? Why in the world would a God of heaven do this? I'll tell you why. Go to John chapter 15. Go back with me to John chapter 15. Verse number 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no more than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you to do. Hereafter I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord Does, but I have called you my friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known to you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that you should go on and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Jesus, no man loved like this man. No man loved like this man. He loved you to death, as they say. Listen, they wrote, what's the song... Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. Is he worth it? Sing along. Yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. He loves you to death. His love is deeper than the oceans, higher than the heavens, as far as the east is from the west. A little child, six years old, six years old, went out one autumn afternoon to play with a companion younger than herself. Johnny Carr, the little hero whose name deserves to be written in gold, rambled about with his smaller playmate till the houses were left behind. And they were in the country. Presently they found that they had lost their way, and the night was coming on cold and stormy. The younger child, chill and hungry, began to cry, and his brave companion cheered him on, now carrying him a few steps, now anxiously searching for the way home. At last the night fell dark and cold. The children were lost and lay down for shelter in a field. But the ground was wet and chilly, and the younger cried for home and his mother. Then Johnny Carr, who was only six years old, remember, could not bear to see his playmate crying in the cold. And he stripped off his jacket and made a bed for his companion, and placed the rest of his clothes to cover the child. Then, with only his shirt and socks, the little hero lay down beside him. There childish prayers were said, and Johnny Carr knew not, that in his sublime act of self-sacrifice he had taken part in a mightier sacrifice of Jesus. When the morning came, the anxious friends who had been searching through the night found the children lying. The younger was soon restored to health and strength, but no care could save the life of the child hero who had given himself for a friend. Jesus loved you to death. He said we are his friends. He loved us to death. That's That's why he took all that punishment, because he loved us. No man loved like that man. Could you do it? But you know what else He did? He loved us to life. John 3.16, which is also found in John, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, we have everlasting life. He loved you to life. John chapter 20 talks about three days after He was in the tomb, He rose again. He broke all bonds. He restored us back to our original state. He died so we could live. He fulfilled His role as the anointed one, not only as a prophet, but as a priest. Sin can't enter heaven. No way for it with the Holy God. No way we can enter heaven. But when He took our sin and paid our debt and rose again, He changed things. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by Him. Listen to these verses here in First Timothy. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Through Jesus we now have eternal life. His love brought life to us. He didn't just love us to death. He didn't just love us to life though. He says a love that He commands us to keep. In verse 12 it says, if you look at verse 12 it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I loved you. Oh my, do you see what He said? He literally just said that we need to love people like He loved us. Now you see where I'm talking about here, how we don't really know who Jesus is. Now really, do we know who Jesus is? Are we showing that love like we should as a church? If we were, the divorce rates wouldn't be going up. If, I, if we were, the crime rates wouldn't be going up. If we were, all this sexual immortality wouldn't be going up. If we were, the, the people at the bar, would be, the tenants would be going down. You understand? We're not showing the love like we're supposed to be doing. That's a commandment from the Lord. Remember, He's got powerful words. Why are we not listening to those powerful words when He tells us to love others as we love as He loved us. That's the same words that told the wind to hush. That's the same words that created the universe. But yet He tells us. He tells us to love others. He tells us to love our enemies, and we won't do it. See, the issue? See, the issue? The issue ain't America. The issue's the church. The church has got to get revived. I know he had some hard shoes to fill, but I'm tired of people saying, I'm just human, Listen, with God, nothing is impossible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If God be for you, who can be against you? Jesus said to love like Him. Love the unlovely. Forgive people freely. It don't matter how many times they do you wrong. Forgive them! We need to go through this world and suffer like He did. Look, we need to do it. If someone does this wrong, we should pay, pray for them as He did. Eleven of the twelve disciples died in His namesake. When we are in the valleys, we should still be joyful knowing all things work together for good of those who love the Lord. We need to live like him. Be humble. Be willing to be at the bottom. Always be joyful no matter your situation. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything is what the Bible says. We need to speak like him. Watch your words. Be slow to wrath. Be careful what you say. And finally, we need to establish like he did. Establish meaning we need to set up his kingdom. We are his servants. We gotta go out and spread the gospel. We gotta set it up. We gotta set up a prayer. We gotta set up, we gotta we don't just wanna mem- need to memorize Bible verses, but we need to share the verses we memorize. Share your powerful testimony. Give out gospel tracts. Invite someone to church. Ask someone to read the gospel. And finally, how can you show people Jesus? Be like Him. It comes full circle. A Christian is Christ-like. You want to call yourself a Christian? Then be Christ-like. Be Christ-like. It's like chipping a stone. If you had a marble stone, chipping it out, and in the center of that stone is a statue of Jesus. We have, a, we have Jesus inside of us, right? That same Jesus I was just talking about who has a name above all names. You know that name means everything. There's no other name like the name of Jesus either. Who likes Hidden Valley Ranch? I love Hidden Valley Ranch. Let me tell you, I, I don't know why, but I had to have that Hidden Valley Ranch. I have to. Yeah, it's the only ranch I like. It's the name. It's just the name I'm paying for. Hey, I'm glad I got the name that matters, though. Jesus Christ is inside of me. That same Jesus I just went over that had that no man spoke like Him, no man established like Him, no man lived like Him, no man suffered like Him, no man loved like Him. I have Him inside of me. And if you have Him inside of you, what a shame it is if you're not doing things that you should be doing. Living for Him like He lived for you. It ain't about us, but it's all about Him. If you go to the very, very, very last chapter of John, the very last two verses, I started with the first one. Let's, start, let's go to the last last verses in John. John 21, verse 24 and 25 says, This is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books, that should be written. This, what I've just went over today, is just the tip of the iceberg. He's still doing things today. All those miracles, He's still doing today. Your bills got paid, but you don't know how. That's a miracle. Your, uh, your stomachs are fed, and you don't know how. That's a miracle. You didn't have that job because of you. You had it because of Jesus. Uh, and you don't know... You, you come in a valley in your life, and you don't see how you made it through it. That's a miracle. Jesus done many that we can't even record. There's many miracles that we can't... Even all the books in the world cannot record the miracles He did. He is our prophet whose words we need to listen to. He He is our priest who gets us to heaven. And He is our King. He is our king. He sits at the head of the church. He sits at the right hand of God. He is our king because the Father says so in Luke. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth the Son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give him his throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. So who is Jesus Christ? He is our Messiah. He is our anointed one, our prophet, our priest, our king. He is the king of kings. He's actually the Lord of lords. He's the Lamb of God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. He's the bread of life. He's the good shepherd. He's our rock. He's our Jehovah. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. He's our Prince of Peace. He's the Son of God, Son of Man, Seed of Abraham, the Great I Am. The Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning and the End. And in Revelation 19.13, it says His name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right now, the Word is with God, and the Word is God. In the end, the Word will be with God, and the Word will be God. If wisdom and insight had a personality, it would be Jesus, the living Word of God. He's done far too much for me to put in a sermon today, but I hope you get the big picture here. Now ask yourself, is He worth it? Is He worth it? When the God of heaven came down here and established himself in a virgin's womb and came to this wicked world and he got hungry and he got thirsty and he got tired and he faced death and suffered, he said you were worth it. When a holy God lived a blameless, sinless life and still got ridiculed for it, he said you were worth it. When our king was beaten beyond recognition and thought so hard about us when he hemorrhaged his brain, remember, he could have wiped them all out with a word, but he said you were worth it. When he carried that cross, which scholars say he weighed 165 pounds, and remember not just any back, that he was carrying that cross on a back that was showing his spine. His flesh was ripped. No man could have carried that cross like he did. Oh, but he carried it. He kept saying, you know what? They're worth it. They're going to live for me one day. One day they're going to they're come and they're going to remember what I'm doing right here. It's worth it. They're worth it. I promise you, Father, I'm doing it because they're worth it. I'm in so much pain right now, but God, they're worth it. They're worth it. I promise you, God, I'm doing it because they're worth it. He thought you were worth it. He thought you were worth it. The Father God sent down His full wrath on Him for three hours of darkness and separated the Trinity. Do you know what Jesus was thinking? They're worth it, God. They're worth it. They're worth it. It's going to be worth it. They'll get to come live with me one day. They will live for me if I do this. They will change because of me. Heaven's gate is going to open wide because of me. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Give me their punishment instead. Dear God, I'm, I'm grateful to do this because I know what the end result will be. They are worth it. The devil you know was in his ear. Jump off that cross. You can jump off. Jump off. Come on. You can heal your wounds right now with a single word. And Jesus said, No. You know why? Because you're worth it. He said you were worth it. Now is He worth it? Even in our suffering, can He still not be worth it? It's one thing to thank Him whenever God's just done something for you. But can you thank Him in those down times? Can you thank Him in those valleys? It's all about Him. We don't deserve to be here right now. It's all because of Him. If He tells you to do something, do it. Because in the end, if you don't, if you end if you don't, it's going to be bad for you. Is He worth it? Is He worth it to you? Is Jesus Christ the blameless, sinless Lamb of God, worth it for you? Can you call yourself a Christian, which means Christ-like? Can you? Because I fear, and you can look around and see how how in 40 years is this church going to be if we don't start now? If we don't start now. Do you want? Do you think five people can run a church? Let me tell you, we got to do something now. The church. The church has to do something. We're lying down in the valley getting plowed by the devil. The devil's running over us. The devil's doing it. Try your best to shine your light. Keep pushing for another day saying he is worth it. He is worth it. He is worth it. Remember back to what he did for you and say he is worth it. He is worth it. Welcome home my good and faithful servant. Thank you for saying I'm worth it. Don't just focus on heaven. Next time you're anywhere and Jesus asks you to do something, what will your reaction be of him? Will you finally surrender your life and say, I'm going to do it for you. You gave your life for me. I'm going to give my life for you. You are definitely worth it, Jesus Christ, my anointed one. No man ever established like him. No man ever spoke like him. No man ever lived like him. No man ever suffered like him. No man ever loved like him. The man, the God, the prophet, our king, our priest, Jesus Christ, our anointed one. Is he worth it?